0: Who are your favorite Marvel characters?
1: So right about now, it's General Okoye from the Black Mm -hmm.
0: Panther.
1: She's committed to her job no matter what. And um, (laughs) that's kind of like me, you know, staying committed, doing what I got to do, protecting the people at all costs.
2: (laughs) Welcome to How We Win.
0: All over the country, people are doing extraordinary things. We're giving you the tools that you need to make a difference right now.
2: We don't agonize, we organize. We've won some battles, but we've still got more to do.
0: Joining us today, let's call him the Avenger of Virginia,
2: Virginia
0: <laughs> is Delegate Joshua Cole. After losing a race by just 73 votes in 2017, he organized and made a big comeback in 2019, helping turn Virginia blue.
2: He's one of the youngest members of the Assembly, but he's making a heroic impact on his community, the Commonwealth of Virginia, and beyond.
0: I'm Steve Pearson.
2: And I'm Mariah Craven. And And this this is How We Win.
0: win.
2: Our conversation with Delegate Cole was so fun. I can't wait for people to hear it.
0: I don't mean to be flippant about a, a very accomplished um delegate from virginia but i was gonna say i love that guy like i instantly wanted to like <laughs> yeah. hang out with him and be friends with him. yeah you know
2: yeah um people won't be able to see it because they're listening to this podcast but he's got a very cool office setup he's he like you immediately know stuff about him other than this guy's a politician.
0: Yeah. Big collection of Marvel action figures and Funkos. And there's actually a Funko shop right down the street here. So maybe I'll pick something up and uh, and send it to him.
2: Oh, that's a great idea. Yeah, that's a, a fun store by the studio. Steve's back in the studio, um, which is very,
0: very Miss you cool. in here at our table. I
2: know. I know. We had such a good setup there. Uh, I miss seeing people in person. Like yeah. or guests in person. It was a different it was a different vibe.
0: Right. And and now you're uh you're in the great state of Texas. Not much going on there, is there? <laughs> <laughs> you just we got I guess you wanted to be to at the epicenter <laughs> of the struggle, the modern struggle for voting rights, so you just moved right to Austin.
2: Oh, so b- voting rights, abortion rights, mm. transgender rights. It's all it's all happening here.
0: Yeah. So sure. Our listeners know, like, I think it was our first episode for our hero of the week. Um, My hero that I picked out was uh, the Texas uh, Mm -hmm. legislators, the Democrats. Let me be specific about that. Not all of them. (laughs) The Democratic uh, representatives in Texas. And uh, now they've jumped ship to save the ship. They have traveled to D.C. and are staying out of the state of Texas probably for a month, for 30 days, mm-hmm. leaving their their jobs, their families. Another note that, um, you know, most local legislators don't make money or enough money to support themselves. Oh, just, they make very little money. Yeah. yeah, just by being a rep. So um, I say jump ship to save the ship in kind of a flippant way, but um, this is a very – meaningful uh, and scary moment in our history. And they are stepping up at great personal risk to protect voting rights. And they're in D.C. to show the Senate and a Democrat-controlled Senate and and Congress what it looks like to stand up and fight for uh, this really, really pivotal moment in our country.
2: The the background on this is um, the governor of Texas, Greg Abbott, called a special session and he and the Republicans are going to try to pass some restrictive um, voting voting legislation. So by leaving the state, what the Texas Democrats have done is basically um, ground the se- special session to a halt. And so they 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 can be arrested if they are in the state and don't show up for work. So they had to leave. Now I thought it would have been cool if they would have taken a cruise down to Mexico.
0: Ah, well played, nicely just done. Just to
2: remind the voters that Ted Cruz also jumped ship and left the state when it counted uh, during during that big storm. Um, oh, this past Cancun. winter. He went to Cancun when nobody in Texas had power. Um, but they have gone to D.C. in an effort to, to try to get some federal voting legislation passed um, just in case, you know, things don't quite work out here. Because like you pointed out correctly, Greg Abbott can, can call all the special sessions that he wants.
0: Yeah. And uh, the, the Republicans in the legislature just uh, are trying to pass some legislation. Or resolution or something to empower the Texas authorities to go track them down and bring them back. And, oh my uh, gosh, just, um, <laughs> I mean, we laugh about it. Yeah. You know me, Mariah. Most of y'all who listen to us on the podcast know I'm, I'm pretty optimistic. I, I'm a, mm-hmm. a bright side kind of fella. Um, but there is a lot of darkness right now that I don't think people are looking at holistically. Mm. We just had CPAC, which is always like a haven for the craziest Republicans, right? Not yeah. the case this time. The This is the Republican Party fully embracing Trump, Trump speaking there, calling the insurrectionists, like, full of love and trying to reframe uh, what happened on January 6th. Uh, right. They're really just repainting and this big lie, the bullshit election fraud claims they're doubling down on, even as Trump's legal team is being sanctioned for those uh, cases that mm. they brought, brought forth. And you've got people at CPAC cheering about not getting vaccinated and how, right. while while the coronavirus cases because of the Delta variant are really on the rise in a huge way in a lot of states. Our neighboring state of Nevada right now, it's really blowing up. Um, hmm. There are no... Moderate Republicans anymore. Mm. It, it is fully the party of Trump, and we need to be um, on alert. I mean, with this this is every bit as important an election coming up and a fight that we have on our hands right now than it ever has been.
2: Uh, yeah, those are all great points. And and another interesting thing that came out of um, CPAC, the the Conservative Political Action Conference, was uh, they they always do a straw poll. Um, to right. you know, think looking ahead to the next presidential election in 2024, um, Donald Trump overwhelmingly won their straw poll, of course, um, because, like you said, this has become the party of of, of Trump. Um, but interesting note, a, a distant second was Ron DeSantis, uh, Florida's governor. Mm. So um, I think someone to someone to certainly keep an eye on. He's I think. Um, He's a little bit smarter than than Trump. So Yeah.
0: yeah Trump had like seventy one percent on the poll. Uh Ron DeSantis had something like twenty one percent. Uh but back he there, was way
2: uh, ahead of way ahead of all the other Republicans on the poll.
0: Tucker Carlson got one percent. So
2: Oh my god, I can re- literally cannot think of a worse. <laughs> scenario. I
0: just brought that up to 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 ruin your day and everyone else listening to this show. That's the only reason I mentioned that.
2: Shudder just (laughs) went through my body. (laughs) I
0: apologize to everyone listening for even mentioning his name.
2: Um, Let's just quickly talk about, uh, you know, it's always important to, to talk about what's coming down the pipe, what we got to watch out for, but some things to look forward to uh, new crime, gun crime prevention strategy. Last week, you very astutely talked about the just skyrocketing rise in, in gun violence that um, we've seen in, the, in, you know, just this month alone. Right. Um, well, the White House, the Biden administration has a strategy for trying to combat that.
0: Yeah. Biden has a gun crime prevention strategy, which is pretty interesting. It involves uh, a lot to do with um, investing in communities too. There's sort of a three-step there, – there is a three-step plan. Hold firearms manufacturers accountable. Crack down on gun dealers breaking the law. Okay, Mm -hmm. there's a lot of loopholes in there that we need to close, and that goes to push for common sense gun laws. Uh, That's Mm -hmm. the big one. We need to uh, close a lot of these gun loopholes. And then uh, investing in communities, I mentioned, expanding evidence-based community violence interventions. It's not exactly defunding the police, but it is investing in the communities, which is where where we want to see that police money going. Um, summer programming and job opportunities for teens and young people providing housing and support for formerly incarcerated people. So I dig all that. What do you think about that?
2: Yeah, I mean, there are a lot of individuals and organizations that are working in communities, in their own communities to prevent violence. And so investments in them, um, is in, wh- whether you end up defunding the police or not, um, either way you have to make investments in the people on the ground doing the work we've talked about them a lot um, and they're the, they're the ones who are really going to be able to disrupt a, lo- a lot of this violence so yeah yeah excited excited to see a multi-pronged plan that includes accountability for for manufacturers as well as community investments
0: this is a good step and uh without getting rid of the filibuster, it's going to be hard to pass any real legislation. So I'll just put that out there. You know, um, the Republicans Mm -hmm. aren't going to come along with any kind of gun regulation. uh, But uh, let's go for it. Let's do it. Come on. Abolish the filibuster. I mean, pass gun legislation by abolishing the (laughs) filibuster.
2: (laughs) You got a lot of good reasons to do it. Uh, Let's talk about our hero of the week.
0: So, today's Hero of the Week, I am excited to talk about because we all have seen her. Hopefully, everyone's heard about her, but she deserves more celebrating because she is awesome and heroic. Mm-hmm. I am, of course, talking about Zaila Avant-Garde, the 14-year-old from Harvey, Louisiana, who won the Scripps National Spelling Bee, became the first black American to win that in almost 100 years of contests. and. Uh, wow. She's so awesome. Beyond the sp- with a name like that, you have to be a star, and I think she's going to be a star. She's incredible. Well, she's going to be a a basketball star at least too. Mm. She is an unbelievable basketball player, um, and mm. uh, and that's really what she wants to do. She wants to be uh, in the WNBA. Um, she holds, I think, three Guinness world records in dribbling. And if you look at her Instagram and uh, and Twitter, there's all these videos of her like dribbling and juggling and di- like
2: different like size,
0: different this size, crazy balls. number of balls, unbelievable. And she's so wicked smart. Oh my gosh, there's a video of her like juggling and dribbling nonstop while someone feeds her like these crazy math equations that oh she gosh. just gets right. I mean, she's like goodwill hunting, wrapped up with Serena Williams, and <laughs> um, she's everything. She, I, you can't even describe her really to other people. You can't, uh, I, I feel like she has no, no She's peer.
2: a magical, she, she's a magical little creature. So, And I
0: yeah. love spelling bees. One of my favorite documentaries of all time was uh, back in 2002 the movie Spellbound which mm-hmm. was all about uh, the national spelling bee and it showcased these kids and their journey getting there and it's so heartbreaking and riveting and um, yeah I've seen it like four times it's so great so I'm kind of a spelling bee guy anyway I'm a terrible speller myself but I, I uh, love watching the kids do it
2: Steve, a spelling bee guy. (laughs) Well, great, great, great choice for the hero of the week. She's given me all kinds of hope and
0: excitement.
2: So thank you and congratulations, Ayla.
0: Let's talk about our reasons for hope. What's your reason for hope this week, Mariah? Mariah. All right.
2: My reason for hope is uh, we got to go back to the awful Texas legislature and, and the Texas. bills that they recently passed. So abortion rights advocates and providers uh, this week filed a federal lawsuit um, seeking to block a new law that goes into effect in September that empowers individuals in Texas to and, and beyond, I believe, yeah. to sue anyone who helps a woman get an abortion, whether they – drive the patient to the clinic or provide financial assistance. This is a terrifying and ridiculous law. um, And I'm grateful to the providers and and advocates that are trying to put a stop to it in any way that they can. I, not to make this about myself, but I just think about just as an example of of what could happen. Um, I used to contribute to emergency abortion funds. And uh, I, at one point, helped pay for an abortion for a 12-year-old. And mm-hmm. under this law, anybody in the state could, it, like you said, anywhere, could sue me. Not only could they sue me, but if they're successful in suing me for trying to help a 12-year-old, the state would give them $10,000. So the state has essentially put a bounty on me, an Uber driver who takes somebody to a clinic... Anyone who is remotely connected, not to mention, I mean, the whole goal of this is to prevent women from exercising uh, their right to, to health care and, and abortion. So, um, really grateful that people are pushing back on this law um, before it goes into effect in a couple months. And they are giving me hope today. Um, you have
0: sort of a, uh, a twisted reason for hope segment sometimes, just saying. <laughs> <laughs>
2: One of the reasons why I'm hopeful is, like, it feels hopeless when a law gets passed and you do so much to combat it. You know, people are, you know, standing outside the Capitol all night, you know, speaking for hours and then it gets passed anyway. Mm -hmm. And... Uh, and you lose a little bit of hope, but there are so many things that we can do to right injustices um, if we are willing
0: to to, to make the effort. So well, I love that. I am grateful.
2: Um, tell me about your reason for hope.
0: As you mentioned, it's good to highlight the good things that are coming from this particular administration. We talked about the um, the announcement for the gun violence uh, prevention strategy. Mm-hmm. Uh, this week, the child tax credit's going out. It's part of the $1.9 trillion coronavirus aid package uh, that includes a one-year extension of the child credit, which you know, experts predicting are, are going to cut childhood poverty in half. Wow! And I— I can't remember. Certainly not in my lifetime has the government actually done something so significant that would actually cut something like childhood poverty in half. And it's such a stark contrast to what the Republicans uh, are are doing uh, or not doing. I mean, I mean, they're they've got no platform uh, to help people. The only people they want to help are are. Um, corporations and uh the the top one percent who are helping keep them in power it's all they care about meanwhile uh you know in the middle of this fight democrats are coming through and um you know we've got a lot more stuff to do we've got the infrastructure packages going on you know the bipartisan bill and then the reconciliation package uh for human infrastructure we'll see how that goes i'm i'm optimistic there that, that we're going to get something through uh, the the legislatures in Texas who are in D.C. right now, I think are going to light a fire under uh, Congress to act and be bold the way they are. But childhood poverty being cut in half, how can that not give you hope?
2: I, I mean, it's no, no child it, in our country in particular, no child should be living in poverty. But the right. idea that we could alleviate it for, I think, the numbers five million children, um, just think about if, if, if that doesn't move you alone, think about that in what that means for our country in 10, 15, 20 years. I'm giving millions of children a leg up in the world um, yeah. is just going to have exponential impact. So
0: think about what we could do if um, Richard Branson and uh, Jeff Bezos uh, decided to invest <laughs> money ending childhood poverty instead of taking joy rides up into the uh, space. that would be cool. Uh,
2: th- actually, it's space adjacent. space adjacent. <laughs> <laughs> not even to space. I could see spending all that money to like, see the moon,
0: float around. You
2: just space, you just go up really high. Just went but up yeah, high I
0: enough have... to experience some <laughs> weightlessness for about, you know, twenty minutes and then come back <laughs> down. It's like a, Really expensive Disneyland ride.
2: Well, you know what? They, but that's their money, I guess. That's what they want to do with it. But we have we have stuff back here down on Earth that we need to do. So right. let's talk about let's talk about this week's to do list. What a clunky segue. No, that was
0: amazing. (laughs) That was literally my favorite segue you've ever had. It was brilliant. Oh, no. (laughs) Thank you for that. This Um, always
2: takes me back to my TV news writing days. (laughs) Speaking of space. Let's get
0: back down to Earth and something (laughs) we can do here on the ground. (laughs) You all did some great stuff on the ground. Last weekend, we had our Weekend of Action for Virginia that we have been promoting and talking about, um, and it went really well. We had volunteers across 37 events in 12 states participating, making calls for Terry McAuliffe and 10 state house candidates, including Joshua Cole, who we're about to talk to. Um, So great job, everyone who pitched in and made phone calls. Uh, Guess what? The election actually isn't till November. So we still have work to do in in Virginia. It wasn't just one weekend. We're going to keep doing that. And this week, uh, our call to action is to sign up for another event. And I'm specifically looking at our vote forward letters because we have a lot of great letters that we're writing to Virginia right now. And um, it's a great thing that you can do. In your spare time, you can set a chunk of time to write some letters or you can Mm -hmm. um, do it piecemeal and hold on to them. Um, So uh, let's write some letters this week, everybody, to Virginia and support great candidates like Joshua Cole.
2: All right. And if you need one more reason to write letters in the next few days, Delegate Cole is going to give it to you.
0: Joshua Cole is a member of the Virginia House of Delegates representing the 28th District in Northern Virginia. Joshua additionally serves as associate pastor at Union Bell Baptist Church. He is a member of the Democratic National Committee and is the former president of the Stafford County NAACP. It's a lot at 30 years old. Uh, Wow. Delegate Cole, thank you so much for (laughs) taking the time to talk to us.
1: I'm so glad to be here, Steve. Thank you for having me on.
0: Yeah, so uh, let's hear a little bit of your origin story before we start talking about what's going on in Virginia right now. Like, how did you first get involved in politics? What got you started?
1: So it all started in fifth grade. Um, <laughs> elementary school I went to, every year they took the top readers in the school on a little mini field trip. Okay. And uh, our the year I got to go, we went to the General Assembly and we got to do a mock session. And uh, the tour guide was like, when you guys get a little bit older, The General Assembly might hire you to become pages. Every year, the General Assembly hires middle schoolers to come down to work for Richmond. And um, I completely forgot about it. And a couple of years later, our delegate came to our middle school, gave a little spiel. And he was like, if anyone wants to apply to be a page, you can do it. My mind went back to that field trip. I became a page. Long story short, in 2005, I started working for the General Assembly as a 14-year-old. Uh, I came back to the General Assembly as a 25-year-old in 2016, working as a staffer for the State Senate. And, you know, you're a lot older now, so you're actually paying attention. Hmm. And um, from being a pastor in the area, I knew all of our elected officials, but I didn't really know, you know, like their policies and their politics. Mm-hmm. Uh, but being a staffer, you quickly got to learn. And I was like, ooh, I don't think I like these guys. Now, mind you, some have been in my <laughs> ordination service. They came out of church before.
2: <laughs> and I was like, oh, I don't think I like them.
1: Um, And so I initially wanted to be, you know, like a super volunteer on someone's campaign. We had Mm -hmm. um, a young guy that was running in the district north of me. His name was Josh King, by the way. His wife is now the delegate for that district. And uh, I asked him, he's like, you don't live in my district, but yeah, you can volunteer, but maybe you should run. Um, Mm -hmm. And I've had two other people that are like, maybe you should run. I'm like, I'm 26 years old. I'm a college (laughs) dropout. I don't have anything. But that started the history. In 2017, we ran, um, we lost by just 73 votes. We came back in 2019, we won by over a thousand votes, and here we are passing legislation and changing lives.
2: <laughs> wow! I uh, Just think that some teacher or administrator had this idea for a field trip, and it just set you on a on a path. That's such a powerful story. Um, let, let's talk about about this race. You mentioned that you. Um, lost by 73 votes in 2017 and then came back a couple years later and won by a thousand. What was the what was that campaign like the, the next one? And, and what was the difference that led to that win?
1: There was a lot of difference. So, of course, in 2017, initially, when we came out to run, we were running against the Speaker of the House. So everyone was like, mm. you know, this is a long shot. Yeah. This is a traditionally red district. You're never going to win. Even the mm. state party was like, you know, we'll give you resources, <laughs> but don't count on any money from us because you're running against the Speaker of the House. <laughs> we'll
0: give you resources, but not resources. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and I don't think it was until the fall when they actually realized, oh, this kid is actually doing something. Mm. But by that time, it was too late. You know, they came in with some money and some mailers. But by that time, it was too late when 2019 came around. Of course, you know, we had support out the wazoo the speaker of the house or at that time she was the majority leader um you know she came out she volunteered and um you know did some events for us both of our state senators had come down to the area uh, we had beto come down to fredericksburg mm-hmm. and so a lot of you know advocacy and a lot of excitement were here because they were like josh cole is the avenger you know he lost but now he's back he's coming <laughs> we're gonna this district. And not only was it just about flipping this district, but we also had the uh, majority of the House of Delegates in the balance. We Mm -hmm. were only two seats down from a majority. Um, And so everyone was excited. Um, We had money out the wazoo, we had support. I mean, Barack Obama endorsed us, Uncle Joe endorsed us. So it was just so much (laughs) excitement that was coming here in the area. And you could tell people knew they wanted to win this seat. Um, we had volunteers. I mean, every weekend we would do volunteers starting as early in July. We didn't have less than 20 people showing up at our office. It was always standing room only. <laughs>
2: yeah, I, I would say that was one of the um, most exciting things about 2019 was the volunteer power. And I think it was because, um, you know, the the electeds and, and the party and everything let us know how important Virginia was in 2019 and that got people all over the country excited. And you obviously were the beneficiary of that.
0: I think also that it was so close in, uh, you know, 2017, you know, the, the famous name out of a hat, uh, basically, Mm -hmm. or straw or whatever coin toss, which Mm -hmm. however, (laughs) you all did it for control of, of the house of delegates. So, um, it, that to me is the story in all these close elections, and especially elections like yours, where um, we want volunteers to engage. And it's like you're really going to make an impact. Like you absolutely. know, talk about an opportunity to make change. Um, working on a race like yours, where every dollar, every voter contact, you know, really counts, is going to make an impact, right?
1: Absolutely, absolutely. And I think that's so key for you know people to understand the importance of their vote. Um, and you know, we're always talking to people who say, you know, my vote doesn't matter. And I'm always like, you know, hey, if your vote doesn't matter, they wouldn't be fighting so hard to keep you from voting. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we need Lottie Dottie and everybody to show up to vote. <laughs>
2: <laughs> um, Steve mentioned that um, you're you're just 30 years old. You're one of the youngest members serving in the House of Delegates. Um, and that's very special, but also you're part of a wave of younger activists that have been um, stepping up and organizing and running for office these last few years. Um, what has running for office and governing been like for you as as a young person?
1: It's been interesting. Um, you know, I remember a couple of years ago, after I lost, we were preparing for a congressional race and the guy that was running with the same age, he was like 31. And um, I remember, you know, I had endorsed him in the primary. So I'm talking him up with some people. And one of my big supporters, like she had dumped money in our race. She had knocked doors for me. I was like, we really need to get him to win. She's like, well, I only have one problem is that he's so young. And I'm like, well, (laughs) and, you know, that has been something. First of all, I have to give shout out and props to, you know, a lot of my colleagues in the House of Delegates and the state Senate. They have been extremely respectable. Um, They've listened to me. They've heard my voice. You know, they even deferred to me on certain situations. Um, And I've heard other stories of other young legislators who in other state legislatures or in other areas have kind of just been like pushed to the side or, you know, their voices haven't been heard. Um, But one thing I can say when it comes to youth issues or problems with the millennial generation, when I share that with people, uh, people, you know, at least in the General Assembly, they listen. At least I think they do.
0: (laughs) You're also a DNC member, right? Yes. Um, I want to talk a little bit about that before we get full on Virginia, because we had Chair Harrison on a few weeks ago um, talking about the investment the DNC is making, especially in state parties and the plan to engage in all 50 states. Uh, How do you think he's doing so far? And are you encouraged with the direction of the DNC right now?
1: Yeah. So this is actually my first time getting involved. Um, And I'm really excited to get, you know, we get a lot of emails and updates uh, from Chair Harrison <laughs> I, I really like that you know, I get lots lot. of texts
0: from him but he's asking me for money it's a different deal
1: <laughs> <laughs> I don't get those texts
0: so, you know <laughs> But
1: I do get the emails on all the updates, everything that's going on. And, you know, one thing I'm really looking forward to is the in-person meetings as you move, you know, you know, forward and a lot of people are getting vaccinated. I'm really, really looking forward to in-person meetings as some of my colleagues who, you know, been in this for a while, they've been sharing of how it's great to network and to build off of people that you meet and you meet other legislators from other states and learn how they do different things. Um, And so as far as I can tell, Chair Harrison is doing a good job. I'm excited about his leadership. You know, he's bringing a great progressive voice. To the dnc and hopefully you know we'll be able to make some change because you know that's what i ran on is some changes to the dnc and um, i'm committed to making those changes once we get there
2: i think um, virginia has become um, a model nationwide for what's possible when the entire state is blue Um, Mm -hmm. and that happened in 2019 like we were saying earlier and since then you and your colleagues have passed some transformative legislation for the people of virginia what are some of the highlights for you and uh, can you talk about why it's important for us to get involved to hold on to those majorities this fall?
1: Yeah, one of the things that we did back in 2018—it happened just before I got there—but I like to take credit for it because <laughs> when I was we were running in 2017, my opponent was adamantly against it. Uh, Then we got to the General Assembly. Um, I guess some people changed his mind. He was able to vote in favor of the Medicaid expansion. Mm -hmm. Um, Back then, there was over 4,000 citizens who did not have access to health care. You know, they were lower on the line in income, um, and they just did not have access. And by expanding the Medicaid um, and looking at today with, you know, COVID and everything that has been going on, over 5,000 people are now on it. And just last year, we voted on legislation that enabled uh, dental care to be included with that. So now Mm -hmm. they have health care and they have dental care. That's a major, major piece. Um, And, you know, people are talking about, you know, repealing that if they get elected. And that's very, Mm -hmm. very dangerous because you can't just snatch health care from 5,000 people. Um, And what I think is so amazing about that is we're literally seeing people, you know, they told us that if we do that, the state will go bankrupt. We're sitting on a surplus right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's amazing to see that you can still do work for people and still have money in the bank. Wow. Um, another major thing we just did this past January was we're the first southern state to pass a Voting Rights Act. Um, and I remember while this bill is coming through committee, the news reports of Georgia and Mississippi and all of those different things are coming out. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was really, really excited when our colleagues, we passed that, we brought that through and it was signed into law just a couple of weeks ago. Um, and so we are protecting voting rights. We are protecting the voters. Um, and last year we also raised a state minimum wage. Um, and uh, I'm looking at it because it went up this past May, and then every January, it goes up until we get to $15 an hour by mm-hmm. 2026. Now, that's that's not enough, we still got some work to do, mm-hmm. but I imagine people who were making seven fifty dollars or $8 an hour yes. were happy to get to $9, and then in January to find out that they're going to $11. Um, and it's been so amazing just to see how, you know, stuff for us that is small incremental change to someone down the street who lives right around the corner from me, that's a major difference for their life. Mm. Um, And I'm really excited to see the continued work that we can do because we've done some, I mean, we've done a lot. We've had over 25 years of Republican leadership that we had to repeal back and go back and introduce legislation that we've been waiting to introduce for years. Mm. Uh, So we've done a lot in two years, but we still have a lot more to do. And that's why it's important we maintain this election, holding on to these seats when we get through.
0: Virginia, for me, is such a stark reminder of how important it is to work on local races and to engage mm-hmm. uh, in statehouse races. Because when you see just this egregious and um, horrible legislation that Republicans in Republican-controlled legislatures are introducing right now, um, it's scary. It's it's frankly dystopian. Um, and uh, it just reinforces how important it is that we all engage on the ground right now in local races, and the next the the thing that we have right in front of us is your your re-election and um, and making sure we hold on to the trifecta in Virginia. So, with that said, um, we'll we'll wrap up the interview with the question that we always wrap up with: uh, What gives you the most hope for our future?
1: <laughs> um, if you look at my Twitter bio, I call myself the neighborhood hope dealer. Um, And I do that because people have shared with me that just me stepping in the room with me smiling or with me explaining things, I bring hope. And so that's a good question. Where do I reach back? What is my will? Where do I pull out hope? Mm -hmm. And I'm the eternal optimist. I look down into the future. That's why I call myself a progressive, because I look down in the future to see what's ahead of us. And, you know, honestly, most days there's gloom and doom. Uh, We look at our environment, we look at the planet, we look at the people who are coming up, we look at January 6th, and it seems like there's no hope for us. But then I'm reminded of colleagues like my friend Dana Carone Mm -hmm. or Sia Price, or, you know, former Senator Yvonne Miller, blessed memory, who passed away, Martin Luther King, these great people who put in the work, and they may not have lived to see their good works exemplified, But we're now living in what they plowed to do. And that's where my hope comes from, that the work that I do now, I may not, I may be like Moses, I may never walk into the promised land, but I know there's a Joshua who's coming behind me who's going to escort these people into the great work that we've done and the ground that we toiled now. And that's where my hope comes from. Do the work right now so that the people coming behind me will have greatness to, to pursue after, will have great things and great lives to live after we're done.
2: All right. Well, you had to take us to church at the inn, which is understandable. <laughs> That's right. We but we 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 appreciate that for sure, for sure. So exciting to hear about your journey and to look ahead with you at what's to come. Best of luck in your race. Let us know how we can be supportive and 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 keep us updated.
1: We'll do. I appreciate you all. Thank you so much.
0: Thank you so much for joining us today. This is how we win. We win when we all get involved and stay engaged. How are you staying engaged this year?
2: Well, we know you're about to write some letters to Virginia, but we want to hear about everything you're doing. Tweet to us at Steve and at Mariah underscore Craven
0: or send us an email at podcast at swingleft.org. Please make sure you subscribe, rate, and review on Apple or wherever else you get your pods. Let everyone know that you're listening. Share our show on social media. Check out our page at swingleft.org podcast. And of course, sign up there to volunteer.
2: We appreciate you being here with us, and we'll be back with more next Wednesday.